Welcome to the Energy Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, and joining me today is Greg Madison, Managing Partner for Cumulus Rebates. Greg, how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks for coming on to talk more about how businesses are affected by energy conservation and just overall shifts in the industry. Um, Before we get there, I'd like to know a little bit more about you. So what led you toward a career in energy conservation? Uh, Back when I was in college, I was working at IBM and a friend of mine approached me that was starting a lighting distribution business. And I got involved with that. And we made a lot of calls on commercial accounts that were using energy efficient products where at that time were pretty new to the market. It was back in the early 80s. And I saw where we could really help people long term and develop a lot of good clients that would be with us for a long time. So that's what started my my energy journey about 30 some years ago. So what about energy efficient products was so attractive? What what about them, you know, drew you to want to create more business connections on that end of the spectrum? For me, it was a matter of economics. I mean, the the clients were buying inefficient products because they thought they were saving money on the cost of the product, which they were. But once they turned that product on, it consumed energy and the energy was over 90% of the cost. So we simply had to communicate that to the clients and let them see the math. We sold the standard products too, but we also uh, introduced energy saving products to them. And once they saw the numbers, they did the math themselves even, they would buy the energy efficient product and we would have a happy client that would refer us to three or four other clients. And what are some of those specific products? Is it in lighting and heating and cooling, all those kinds of things? Um, I started out my career, it was in lighting only. Uh, Then later on, we got into energy conservation measures with using control systems, uh, enterprise energy management systems. So it grew from that. But it all started with lighting because lighting was the fastest way to save energy for clients, the best paybacks that we found. And a lot of the energy conservation systems, when we looked at their calculations, about 80% of their savings came from the lighting. So that that was a basis. But we did expand beyond that. And was that part of the transition into LED? Is that where um, a lot of that lighting conservation came from? Yeah, well, on conservation... Lighting products have always changed over the years. They're always developing something new in the pipeline. LED is the latest, greatest phase that everybody's going through. Uh, the next phase will probably be laser lighting. That's coming down the pipeline. They're looking at that already. But LEDs offered some unique opportunities for clients, but also created some unique problems for manufacturers. Oh, that's really interesting. Well, what kind of problems come from LEDs? Because really what I hear... Um, at least on a personal consumer level, right, is that LEDs aren't as hot um, and they're they're brighter. Uh, so what, what kind of problems do you see on the business level? Yeah, for consumers, it's great. They save a lot of money and they have a nice lighting product. It does a great job. But from a manufacturing side that I worked for for a couple of years with manufacturers, the issue with manufacturers is forecasting. When they look at forecasting their production and, and using the manpower and man-loading their factories, the problem with LEDs is they last a long, long time. Well, that makes it very difficult for a factory to keep their men and women working, you know, producing the product because they don't have a lot of replacements. These are all new projects, and that caused a tremendous amount of problems in the factories in the U.S. and now around the world. So a lot of the U.S. manufacturers shipped their uh, manufacturing overseas because they couldn't properly load their factories. 
you can't keep a factory at 50% or 30%. You have to keep it at about 80% or higher. And that caused a big problem. So China's been making a lot of the products. But now even China is outsourcing to uh, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, uh, because they have the same exact problem. So LEDs was a great thing for clients. It hasn't been so great for manufacturers. So almost because they're so reliable and they last so long, it's it's almost hurting businesses because they don't need to make as many to keep the customers happy. And then on that end, now there's less to create. That's correct. And it's eventually going to hurt the development of new products down the road because they, they use the profits from the existing product lines to pay for the R&D for the new product lines. So when you lose your incentives, you're not going to create those new products. So it's great right now and it's great for the consumer. But from a manufacturing standpoint, uh, it's been really terrifying for them what's happened. And they didn't realize that when they got into it. And now they really don't know how to get out of it. Uh, and you're finding major manufacturers are either consolidating, they're buying out their competitors or they're being sold to their competitors. They're moving everything offshore. It's very difficult for U.S. manufacturers today and other manufacturers around the world, too. It's just they're a few years behind the U.S. on those job losses, but they will occur. Do you have any ideas for how a business might be able to get ahead on this front and not get bogged down in basically a lack of business? Yeah, today, when you take a look at it, you have to offer more than one thing to the, to the consumer. So, for example, a lighting distributor, if that's all he offers is lighting products, or an HVA distributor, whoever it might be, any product distributor, if you're only offering one line of service or product to the client, you're, not, you're probably going to go out of business. So you're going to have to have some type of additional uh, opportunity, in most, mostly with contracting. So you're seeing more and more lighting distributors merge with electrical contractors. If you can offer the full service to the clients, then the clients will still use you. Because the, the, the problem with the factories is, the factories, because margins have been getting squeezed on the whole distribution chain, the factories now are starting to sell more and more projects direct. But the problem with that is that it has to be installed. And manufacturers are not very good at coordinating the installation. Uh, they'll do it because they have to now, but they're not very good at it. Where there are some very creative distributors, and I've worked with some in the past, that have merged contracting with distribution, and that does a great job. So I think in the end, You'll probably find, uh, you know, 20 years out from now, you might find contractors, distributors, and even utility companies it might all be merging. So you might be buying all of your power, all of your equipment, all of your service from one entity. That's probably 20 years down the road, but that's going to happen. So the distributors and manufacturers aren't prepared for that. will go out of existence. So I see a lot of conversation about how can consumers conserve energy in their households or with their vehicles? So how is that conversation different or the same for businesses? You know, what kind of conversation are businesses having about energy conservation? I mean, in the conservation world now, now you're seeing a merger of products along with controls. So they're integrating those. You have smart systems today versus what we had five or 10 years ago. So the, the for example, lighting, it knows when somebody's in the area. So it can turn on or it can dim, whatever might happen. Uh, parking garages. The other day I was in a, an airport parking garage and they had LED lights, uh, green and blue lights or green and uh, red lights that would tell you 
where spots are open. And that was all computerized and they could add sensors that could tell whether or not somebody was parked in a stall. So, I mean, that's a great use of that technology. So you're seeing all kinds of uh, changes. In the, in the last couple of years, LEDs have tried to match the existing form factor of the incandescent replacements or the HID replacements that they've done. They try to match that. In the, in the near future, they're going to have their own form factors, their own designs, their own shapes that'll be radically different than what they are today. So LEDs do offer some great design creativity opportunities for you know the designers of the world, the architects. But from a consumer standpoint, you know their LEDs match the existing color of incandescence. So you're now now you have a light source that's using maybe seven or ten watts instead of a hundred watts. Um, you replace it every five or ten years instead of every couple of months. So LEDs have been great for consumers. And they also, the other advantage with LEDs is there's no mercury or lead in, in the LEDs. Uh, so the, from the environmental standpoint, it's a great product. And since they do use far less energy, anywhere up to 90% less energy than what's used today or was used several years ago, that has an impact on utility power plants. So they're producing, emitting less emissions than they used to. So you've seen some of the greenhouse gases dropping lately. And it's, a lot of it's because of the commercial and the residential also, but more commercial because the hours are longer. They burn, you know, 16 hours a day in the commercial or residential, they burn two or three hours. So the commercial has a much bigger impact on that. It is you have a lot more consumers at home, obviously. So you add the two up, but still the, com the commercial is more heavily weighted towards the savings for the environment, but it all adds up. You know, so it, it's good to have both and the technology can serve both groups. Do you see businesses and larger companies going more towards energy efficient products mostly because it saves money? Um, or do you also see a conversation about basically like saving the environment and trying to reduce greenhouse gases? Is that a conversation that is prevalent in the business world or is it still mostly focused on how can we save costs for ourselves? Yeah, in any company of size, there's typically a green person within the company that's always looking at that. So in the proposals that I've developed over the past, I always have one page dedicated just to that. And an example is we worked with an oil company in the Houston area, and we saved them a million dollars on operating costs. Well, to the oil company, that was lunch money. You know, that wasn't that big of a deal. When they saw the environmental page and the impact that the, this case, it was a lighting upgrade. When they saw the environmental impact of that upgrade, on the reduction of carbon dioxide, uh, mercury, lead, all of those uh, greenhouse gases that they have and other heavy elements. When they saw that, they said, well, we can use that in our, in our annual statement. They bought the, the entire program because of the impact on the environment, not because of the savings. I mean, you look at a million dollars of savings, that's what, you know, about 26 nanoseconds of, for an oil company. Yeah, I mean, right. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, but the environmental benefit, they can tout that you know, for a long time. Well, that that's exciting that both ends of it are getting represented. I mean, because at the end of the day, everyone wants to save costs, especially if you're a business and you're trying to grow and expand. Um, but at the same time, it's, I think it's important that people are, are considering how it's affecting the environment. And um, it's, it's great to see businesses take that personal responsibility. Right. The big, the big thing in the industry the last few years has been sustainability. And sustainability is a great marketing term. What does that actually mean? 
Well, if you're going to offer sustainability, you have to track and measure. And with the new smart systems, you can do that. In the past, you really weren't able to. You just had an Excel you know, calculation showing you that this is what you saved. But for the board members today, that's not good enough. They want to know financially and environmentally that we can not only save today, but we can save in the future, that these savings will continue as we go on. That has to deal with controls and enterprise systems where you're measuring what you're doing. You're taking into account the, you know, the temperature, the heat degree days. You're factoring all this in and you're getting kind of a model of this is how our business is using energy today. So the energy might be from multiple formats, but how is it all brought together? When you consolidate it, are we using less? Or are we using more? You know, and can, if we are using less, can we do the same next year and the following year? And maybe even reduce that. You know, now if I look at future energy projects, I'm going to have to be able to measure those to know that I got the financial return, but I also got the environmental return. And that's what stockholders and board members are really interested in today. They want to see the persistence of those savings. So what do you see for the future of energy conservation on the business side, whether it's more innovation um, in, in the way these products are distributed or just changes in the ways that businesses adopt energy conservation? I mean, you're going to see a combination of things. One, uh, you'll have large consumers generate their own power. It's happening now somewhat to some extent, more on test cases. But you're going to see that more and more as like nanoturbines become less expensive, uh, you, solar panels. All of those technologies are coming to bear where you'll have your self-generation. Other things that you'll do is you'll be partnering with the utility company to where if you can match the shape of your load, your energy profile, with the utility's production profile, if you can do that, you become more valuable to the utility company and they're going to give you better rates. Uh, they already have real-time energy rates. The problem with that is if you don't have control over your energy usage, real-time energy rates can kill you. If you do have control, they can be great. You know, but I've worked with clients that had absolutely no control over their energy profile. And from 2 to about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, they send their staff home and then have them drive back afterwards because their energy price is so high. So the conservation will still be important in the future. Because again, the cheapest kilowatt is kilowatt hour is the one you don't use. So if you can avoid the use of that, and that comes in with controls and smart technologies, that is way better than even trying to conserve it. You know, uh, con conservation is great, but if it can avoid the total use of something, that's even better. Uh, for homeowners, for example, if you and you take a look at when the power peak is for most uh, southern climates. Um, you're looking at around four, five, six o'clock in the in the afternoon. So you don't want to go home, you know, crank the air conditioner back, turn on the washer dryer, and then flip on the the big screen TV all at six o'clock. That's a bad idea. So can you in the future have your washer dryer programmed to start up at ten o'clock at night? Yeah, I mean you have smart technologies now. You have refrigerators now that have smart technologies that tell you when you need to order stuff. And they can even order for you automatically if you want. Uh, so you're seeing more and more smart technologies come into play. And with the advent of AI, um, you're, you're looking at, you know, the future is going to be so different than it is today. Uh, it's going to be like looking at, you know, our kids when they look at us about, we talk to them about CDs or A-Tracks. They have no idea what we're talking about. You know, well, the energy usage in the future will be the same way. They're going to look back at us and like, what the, what do you mean? 
why did you do this? Uh, you know, my son has never had a cell phone or never had a, a landline. He's always had cell phone. You know, he just can't imagine what, what do you need a landline for? And it will be the same way in the future is, you know, what do you need a light switch for? You just, you know, they come on automatically. Why would you switch them? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what they'll be thinking. I mean, that's that's so interesting that you envision a future where where everything becomes that automated and that innovatively conservative that people don't even really have to worry, like you said, about trying to conserve. It's just, you just eliminate the problem at, at the start. You don't use the energy when you don't need it used. So that's, that's really interesting stuff. Well, I was just at a, a McDonald's restaurant the other day, and this restaurant is highly automated. They only had four employees working in the restaurant. They had uh, a little station where you paid with your credit card. The food was automatically cooked for them. So they basically had, I think, two loaders. Uh, they did have a cashier in case you needed that and one manager. So the people that are looking for the $15 an hour pay, for example, for restaurant work, well, that's the net effect is you've now created the reason to go to automation for restaurant owners. Well, I think that same type of movement is going to happen in the other industries, like the lighting electrical industry. Same type of uh, automation will happen. It'll it'll cause some unemployment for some people. It'll create job opportunities for others. You know, same thing happened with a buggy. You know, years ago, when you know when the car came about, you know, all these buggy companies were out of business all overnight. Well, same thing's going to happen again. Um, so automation, you know, be ready for it. Be thinking about it because it's going to happen. Thank you so much, Greg, for coming on the podcast to help us better understand how energy conservation is affecting businesses and that whole side of the conversation. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time.